0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. I'm so excited to be able to be with you tonight and to share and to see so many faces of our faith heights church family i love every single one of you guys you're so amazing and just being able to be around you and some of you i know better than others but honestly it doesn't matter to me whether i know you well whether i don't know you well i love to see your faces so much and you're so beautiful and you matter so much and you you i want you to know how much you matter to god you know, God um, has placed such an amazing love in each one of us, into our hearts for the body of Christ. And uh, I just absolutely adore you. So um, as Miss Rachel, what she started off with is very similar to what God gave me to speak about tonight. So surprise, surprise, the Holy Spirit's in one vein. <laughs> um, but um, I wanted to start tonight by giving you guys a quote that i heard um back in september and i wrote it in my journal and i didn't write down who said it so i don't know who said it or if i got it from the holy spirit i don't remember but it says this if you're looking for change on the outside you will be disappointed because that is not where change comes from i'm not saying that change doesn't happen on the outside but it's not where we look it's not what we focus on if we look for change on the outside, we will be disappointed. What do I need to do? Anything? You want me to use the handheld? Can you hear the feedback? We're good? Okay, just check it. All right, so since it is the change of seasons, um, it felt very appropriate to me to talk about change. Um, we've had a lot of change in the past year and a half, right, a lot. And there's probably a lot more change coming, right? Some change for the bad, but a whole lot of change for the good, right? The body of Christ is uniting and it is. there's a lot of very exciting things in front of us. In my life, I've had some people assume that I don't like change. I get where they're coming from. I've been at the same church for a very, very long time. I have been in children's ministry for a very, very long time. I've been at the same workplace, different jobs, but same workplace for a very, very long time. Same spouse for a very, very long time. A lot of things in my life are very much the same, but they're wrong when they assume that I don't like change. I actually do like change. I like change a lot. Um, it's a, something that God has given me is the ability to adapt to new things fairly easily, right? And I, I like things to be fresh and new and exciting, um, but I have learned something about myself. I'm recently, I currently find myself in between jobs, same workplace, but in between two different jobs. And I learned something about myself and that is I don't like the in-between. Anybody else relate to that? You, you, you don't mind change so much, but it's that transition. It's where you're not where you were, but you're not where you're going either, right? And this is really um, very similar to what it's like to be a Christian because we are aliens here in this world. We don't belong here. We are here for a purpose and we have something to do here, but we are citizens of heaven. And so we are... We live in a situation of change and of transition and being in between for really our entire lives. And so for any of us that don't like transition, that's something we might wanna get used to, right? <laughs> because it's, it's where we are. We will never experience all that God has for us without any resistance from the enemy trying to tell us that it's not true until we're on the other side right Um, while we're here we are always going to have an enemy that is telling us that what god said isn't true and that it can't happen for us and all of that kind of stuff Um, so i want to talk about change but before we talk too much about change i was hoping that we could do something and that is that we could gather our whole selves tonight so When we come to church, sometimes we leave the non-Instagram parts outside these four walls. We leave the parts that we don't think that are pretty, the parts that we wouldn't want people to see. We leave the parts that we want to hide away, away, right? We don't always bring those parts. And the thing is, is God wants us to bring our entire selves to church. He wants us to bring our heartbreaks to church and he wants us to bring our failures to church. And he wants us to bring those fears that the devil is breathing down our necks to church. He wants us to bring the trauma we've experienced in our lives to church. He wants us to bring all of it here, the pain, the sickness, the the symptoms that you experience. He wants us to bring it all here. And he wants us to stop pretending like everything is okay, like Miss Rachel just talked about. We can acknowledge that something is wrong while believing that God is doing something greater in our lives. We can call those things in, but to pretend like nothing is wrong, is hiding away a part of our life from Jesus that he wants to fix. He wants to breathe his life and his energy and his healing and his being and everything that he has into those parts of our lives, but he can't do that if we won't bring them before him. So just take a moment, take a deep breath, think about those things that you don't want to have in the moments where you want people to think that your life is perfect. Or that everything is good and bring it all here and lay it at the feet of jesus and let him have it because the bible says that god is made his strength is made perfect in your weakness where you are weak where you have things in your life that you don't want to be out there for the world to see when god when you let god shine light on that he brings the healing and he brings the wholeness and the blood of Jesus is able to cleanse those things, those sins that you've struggled with you know, through your life. We're not supposed to pretend like we don't have any struggles in sin. We're not supposed to pretend like everything is hunky-dory. What we are supposed to do is be people of faith that believe that when we give our lives to Jesus, that he truly lives his life through us. And in that, in Christ, there is no weakness. In Christ, there is no sickness. In Christ, there is none of that. All of that pain, all of that has been bought and paid for. We have to lay at his feet. We have to let him have it. We have to bring it to him. So one thing about change is it's uncomfortable, right? Transition in the in-between is uncomfortable. And that's never going to go away so we can just mark that off of our to-do list to be uh, comfortable (laughs) because we are not called to a life of comfort and we are called to a life of service right and we are called to a life of going against the norm of what the world is doing and that's never going to be comfortable we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with going the opposite direction that the world is going and you know jesus wouldn't have sent the comforter if we weren't going to need him (laughs) we're supposed to find that comfort and that peace in him in the holy spirit and not within just a comfort place where everything feels okay even when in reality it's probably chaos all around right so um in um let's go to romans chapter 8 if you haven't read romans chapter 8 recently i would recommend that you read it like 50 or 60,000 times by tomorrow or something like that because it's really really great it's actually Romans chapter 8 it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it is a chapter that really just summarizes the gospel it just takes it and it says okay I'm going to tell you what Jesus did in this one chapter and just put it up there so we're going to read verses 1 through 2 and then we're going to jump down to verses 5 through 6 And I forgot my Bible at home. But somebody told me earlier that Keith Moore did that once, so I'm in good company, so it's fine. (laughs) So it says, this is one of my favorite, favorite chapters in the Bible. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Praise God, right? So we have an option. We can choose to focus on the things that are in the natural, the things of the flesh, or we can choose to focus on the spiritual. We can choose to focus on God. Let's jump down to verses five through six. And he goes on to say, for they that are are after, or other translations say that they that mind, put their mind on. Um, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the things of the spirit or put their minds on the things of the spirit, um, they they, they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Keep going. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So when I talk about going and gathering all of the parts of yourself, We aren't to be carnally minded, right? When we think of those things in our lives that we don't always want to show people, those parts of our lives that hurt, often we think about them, or always we think about them from a fleshly standpoint. We think about the shame, we think about the hurt, we think about the pain, we think about the things in our lives that um, cause us to not walk in all that God has for us when we have those things in our lives that we won't bring to him, right? But we're supposed to be mindful of the things of the spirit. So we can look at that exact same thing. Say it's a sickness in your life that you haven't yet received your full healing from. You can either let the devil bring you shame over that, condemnation over that, or you can look at it in light of what God says. And God says, that by the stripes of Jesus Christ you were healed. God says that he is the one that heals you, the one that fixes you, the one that restores you to your useful state, right? God says amazing things about you in the word. He says so many wonderful things about you. Who you are in Christ is what we're supposed to think about spiritually. When we talk about minding the things of the spirit, We need to be thinking and minding who God says we are because the Bible says he's made us a new creature. So when we think about ourselves in the old way, we think about ourselves in the way that the world thinks about themselves, we're going to be minding the things of the flesh. We're gonna be thinking about embarrassment. We're gonna be thinking about shame. We're gonna be thinking along those lines of death. And those are the lies that the devil tries to give us. But we cannot allow ourselves to let the devil tell us who we are instead of letting God tell us who we are. We have to let the word of God tell us what does it mean to be a new creature in Christ Jesus, right? So um, as I mentioned, we face a challenge that we're always in transition, always in that kind of uncomfortable place where we want to be, you know, we we see this amazing life that God has for us in, you know, as we have that revelation. But sometimes we don't always pursue it the way that we need to, to actualize it. So we can have this, like, this vision of what God has for us, this life that he has for us. But if we don't pursue it, if we don't seek it out, then it's not going to become a reality in our lives. We have to be warriors in the spirit, right? We are fighting a spiritual battle, and we have an enemy that doesn't want us to have any of the things that God has provided for us. So our lives are meant to be uh, lived in a place of change, and it's really good news um, because the enemy is always trying to discourage you and he's always trying to tell you that you're not ready. You're not ready to take that next step. You're not ready to fulfill that next part of your ministry. You're not ready to tell your children Bible stories. I cannot tell you how many parents I have talked to that feel that way, like they're not qualified just to tell their children about the Bible. You're not ready for that next job. You're not ready for that next business. You're not ready. Anybody else ever get that? You're not ready. You just need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do this and then you're gonna be there right we all hear that because the lies of the enemy are extremely familiar he says the same things to all of us if we would just be open to talking to each other about it we would hear that if we would just stop hiding it right (laughs) we would hear that he says the exact same stuff to all of us a couple of weeks ago, Miss Nikki posted something on Facebook that was hilarious, but it was basically something along the lines of, does anyone else feel like they are a lazy perfectionist with borderline ADHD and like all these other things? And it was the most relatable post because these are the lies of the devil tells all of us, right? That we want to be perfect, but we're not good enough and we can't get there. And that you know we, we can never do all of the things that we're supposed to do. He's always trying to keep us busy and keep us frazzled and keep us you know going and never focusing on what's truly important he tells us all the same lies and that's why stuff like that is relatable because same lies to all of us he's going to tell you that you're not ready to tell people your testimony that you're not ready to talk about Jesus that you're not ready to lay the hands lay hands on the sick you're not ready for that that's for somebody else but I have really great news you are never going to be ready Ever, Because in and of yourself, you can do nothing, right? We are only ready when we allow God to use us. When we allow him, like, um, like Timothy said earlier, when we are the clay and we allow him to form us, we allow him to use us as a vessel. That is the only thing that qualifies us to be ready is when we choose to pursue God and to let him use us. And as I mentioned, it's funny because, like I said, the devil's always going to tell you that you're not ready. He's always going to tell you that you're not confident enough. And the truth is, we cannot be confident in and of ourselves. We will always fail if we think that that is the qualification. An extremely amazing example of that are Peter and Paul. So in Peter, you have this roughneck fisherman, right? That even when he denied Jesus, cursed. Right? So, like, you can tell the kind of guy that Peter was. He was super impulsive, always, you know, just making decisions on the fly, just doing stuff. Right? So, he was definitely not the guy that was just sitting back going, I'm not going to try. He would try anything. Peter would try absolutely anything. He was a little crazy. Sorry, Peter. But, (laughs) um, guess who was the leader of the new church in when you know after Jesus died and rose from the dead guess who got to lead the church the guy who probably only studied Torah as a child in school but had no training after that the guy who was a fisherman he had absolutely no qualifications to lead a church other than he had been with Jesus it's his one qualification and he was willing but truthfully he'd been with Jesus and then you have Paul Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, he was a Pharisee, he studied under, whatever that guy's name was. (laughs) That guy who was literally the scholar of the day when it came to um, the Torah, right? So Paul had all the qualifications, all of them. And was he called to the church? No. He was called to the Gentiles. He was called to the people who couldn't care less about any of his qualifications, right? Here we have Peter who was put in a position to lead the people who would have questioned every qualification he didn't have. And Paul who's put in a position to have all of these qualifications that didn't matter to anyone. Isn't it interesting how God does that? But he does it on purpose because he wants us to rely on him he wants our whole heart our whole focus our whole trust to be in that he is going to move that he is going to do something through us not that we are right and so it's it's in this this conundrum that we see in the Peter and Paul situation Um, but truly the only qualification that either one of them had is that they were willing and that they had been with Jesus Peter in the natural and in the supernatural, (laughs) right? So God is never going to call you to do things that you cannot do with, that you can do without him. He's never gonna call you to do things that you can do without him. It's always going to be something you're not ready for. It's always gonna be something that you're not qualified for. It's always gonna be something that you're never gonna feel confident in yourself to do. And that's a place of transition that God has put us in on purpose, Right? Where we always feel like we're in the in-between. We're always in that season of change. But have you ever noticed in the seasons of change in the natural? Fall and spring? Are they not the most beautiful seasons too? Right? Zip it, Darren. He's shaking his head no at me. <laughs> not Darren online. I know you're watching. Not you. Not you. That one. <laughs> so... um God needs us to be in a place where we have to rely on him. So if you're facing a situation in life today that you can't do yourself, if you're facing something in your life today that you have no power to fix, you can't do it, you're in a really good position. You're in the absolute best position because it means you just have to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and you just have to trust him, right? You just have to say, God, this is yours. I can't do this, which is exactly where we need to be. You know, Miss Rachel mentioned Abraham and Sarah. Did they have any power in and of themselves to have a baby? No, they tried, right? And then they decided to do it a whole nother way. That didn't work out, right? <laughs> they had no power to do what only God can do. And that's true for every single one of us. Um we often feel we have to understand that what we feel like doing and what seems right in our own eyes what seems right in our own logic is thinking along the lines of the flesh and when we think along that line what is the end result death right when we think along the things of the natural but when we do what is foolish to our flesh, what is foolish to our mind, when we trust God and put our whole heart into Him and our whole trust into Him, it's completely foolish to us. Raise your hands or hands if you've ever done something in your life that was completely foolish if God didn't catch you, right? God caught you though, right? cause he's a good God and that's exactly what he wants from us. I mean, imagine what it was like for Abraham when he was asked to sacrifice Isaac, right? If God didn't catch him, like the whole dream was gone. Everything was gone, but you know, Abraham had the utmost faith in God that one way or another, God was gonna figure it out. He was gonna work it out for his good. God knew because he'd seen God's faithfulness before. But you know, Abraham also had to be given that option. He had to be shown two doors. He had to have an option of saying, I trust God. And he had to have an option of saying, I don't trust God. Because if not, there's really no option of trusting God, right? It's just, we live life and God works things out. The same thing is true for us. God has to give us those two doors. He has to give us the option to say whether or not we're going to trust him. There's always going to be a door in front of you that looks right in the natural. And there's going to be a door in front of you that God's word says, This is the door. This is what you're supposed to do. The word of God. And isn't that amazing? As wishy washy and crazy as this world is, one of the most amazing gifts that God has ever given us is the word of God. Because it is a rock, right? Jesus is the word of God, and that word is a rock. Jesus is our rock, right? It doesn't move, it doesn't change. It changes in our hearts only because God gives us further revelation, but we can always go back to it. And not one single time that I have ever gone to the word of God, does it say that God wants you sick? Does it say that God wants you broke? Does it say that God wants you brokenhearted? Not one single time. It doesn't say that God wants you to remain broken, remain in trauma, none of those things. It says that he gives you his shalom his perfect peace. It says that he gives you, he provides for you. He is your provider. He is your source. It says that he is your healer. In fact, he's the great I am. I am that I am. I am anything that you need me to be. I am that. That is I am. And so we have to remember how good he is and what his word says. And we have to make sure that we are choosing his word let's move to James chapter 1 verse 18 and if we could get this in the passion translation and we're going to read several scriptures I don't think that I have had an opportunity to minister that I have not pulled out the passion translation and for those of you who don't know the passion translation is a translation of the Bible that was specifically written with words that are designed to stir up, stir you up. That's why it's called the Passion Translation. And uh, so they, they purposefully did that while staying as true to the scriptures as they possibly could. And it's beautiful that the way that they wrote these things. So James 1 verse 18. Do we have it? Do we have it? Ah, there it is. Thank you. And we're going to read all the way through verse 25. So hang in there with me. I like to read a lot of scripture because have you ever noticed when you're in church under the corporate anointing how the scriptures just jump off the page in a whole different way so i love to read a lot of scripture when i'm up here so let's go all the way to 25 it says god was delighted to give birth to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all of his creation i'm his favorite how about you amen my dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but be slow to speak. Be slow to become angry. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. Say law, right? <laughs> so this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct instead with a sensitive spirit we absorb god's word which has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has the power to continually deliver us don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it for that is the essence of self-deception so always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life If you listen to the word and you don't live out the message that you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word and to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all that they do. Amen. Jesus said we are not supposed to live by bread alone but we're supposed to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are supposed to live by God's word. It is, and it's the only thing like that, the more you eat it, the hungrier you get for it, right? When we get God's word in us, we get hungry and hungrier. And when we stop ingesting God's word, guess what happens? We don't desire it at all. That's exactly what happens. It's a, a very interesting thing. Usually when you stop eating food, you get hungry, but that's not what happens with God's word. When we stop eating it, like, it's almost like God honors that. Okay, you don't want this, that's, that's your choice. But when we keep eating it and we keep getting it in, we just want it more and more. And the reason is because, again, the devil is always trying to show us who he wants us to be. But when we look into the word of God, we see who God created us to be because it is a mirror we not only see god but we see who he sees us as who he made us to be we see the qualities of a new creation in christ jesus and the more we get that in us the more that we are able to walk that out in our lives and the more that life lives out through us life and life more abundantly praise god um, see, even though our lives, oh, I already said that. It's fine. Just ignore me. I said that. Forget that. <laughs> um, so a question that I had is how do we push through um, during times of change? And how do we create the change that we want in our lives rather than just letting things happen to us? You know, in this day and age of anxiety and fear, a lot of things just happen to people, you know, because they're just going down that road. But how do we push back? How do we push back and go upstream and go the way that god wants us to go so that we can live in victory in our lives and not just allow the devil's attacks to take over because the devil's going to attack one way or the other we might as well just keep going god's way right um uh, i i'm part of the monday morning prayer group and these ladies are such an amazing blessing to me not always ladies sorry there's guys too (laughs) um but they're such an amazing blessing and um and you know, the recently they've been talking about the fact that they're never gonna give up on their faith because what would they be going back to, yeah, right. right? They're never gonna give up. They're ne- even if it takes you know forever, they're never gonna give up. They're gonna keep contending and keep believing for God's will in their lives and keep believing what God says about their lives because what would they be going back to? What would we be going back to, right? Like who would want that? we wouldn't so the first thing we have to do is what we read earlier we have to keep our eyes in the spirit realm and let's go to second corinthians four sixteen through 18 again in the passion translation pretty sure all the rest of the scriptures i'm gonna read are in the passion translation you're welcome my mother got me a passion translation bible last year for my birthday and it's wonderful to not have to read it on the internet (laughs) so second corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 and it says so no wonder we don't give up For even though our outer person gradually wears out, our inner being is renewed every single day. We're gonna keep going through verse 18. We view our slight short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far beyond all comparison. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen. But what is unseen? For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. A couple of years ago, Miss Rachel preached a message on using our imagination for God instead of letting the devil use our imagination. I'm sure it's on the archives. Look it up. It was amazing um, because we do have to we have to keep our eyes on what is not seen in this natural realm. And the thing about the natural realm is that anything that we can see, anything at all is movable the the principles in the scripture none of those things can move they are truth and they are not moving spiritual things are not moving but physical things can be moved anything we can see if it moved one way it can move the other if it did this it can go the entirely other direction if it got worse it can get better anything in the natural can be moved right that's why we stick with what's unseen Because with what's unseen, we speak life, we speak blessings into our situation, and then we get to see them move. We get to see those mountains move, right? Praise God. The next thing we have to make sure that we do is let ourselves be transformed by the word of God. So we'll go to Romans chapter 12, and we'll read verses 1 and 2 in the Passion Translation. And I know that I like to read out of the Passion Translation a lot because I know that we've heard a lot of these scriptures before in the the translations we read every day. And this sometimes just brings a whole new life, a whole new um, part to it to help us just see it a little bit differently in the language we use every day. It says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine experience Expression of worship, let's read two as well. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. We have to allow ourselves to be transformed by His Word. That's when we look into the Word. That's when we let it get into us as we get into it. Right, the Word of God is everything it truly is because jesus is everything and he is the word the word is everything we have to allow ourselves to be transformed but anything that we want to cause transformation in our lives is going to take a little bit of effort at least good transformation right i mean certainly we could eat a pack of oreos every day that's going to cause transformation in our lives but maybe not the kind of transformation that we want so when we want to make positive growth in any area it's going to take effort. It's going to take us doing something, you know? And in this situation, we have to use our spiritual muscles and we have to say no to the distractions. We have to say no to the things that would wanna take up our time. No to all of the anxieties and worries and thoughts that the devil says to us where you need to go do this and you need to go do this and you need to take care of this. Sometimes we just need to call grace to those mountains and say, you know what? I don't have time to both take care of all of this stuff and spend time in the word of God this morning. You know, I've got 20 minutes. I don't have time to do all of it. I don't have time to do the dishes and the laundry and be in the the word of God. So you know what? I'm gonna call grace to that and I'm gonna focus on what God said is most important in my life. This is most important because this is what's gonna get us through all of those other challenges that come against us through the day. The next thing we have to do is we have to resist the enemy. So let's go to James 4, 7 in the Passion Translation, a very, very familiar scripture. It says, So then, surrender to God stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from you i like that stand up to the devil we have to stand up to him we have to say no we can't just say that because something has come against us again and again and again and again and again that that just means that you know it's not working i shared a story on monday morning in our our group about the fact that the devil has been just berating me with this very specific set of thoughts over the past like week or so and just like miss rachel preached last week we can't just resist in our thoughts right we can't resist the thoughts that the enemy gives us with our thoughts we have to speak words out loud god had to speak words we have to speak words we just have to get used to that so um and so i was resisting and i was speaking out loud every single time that it would come up over and over and over again and it just kept happening and i just got to the point where i was just like just shut up (laughs) because it got really annoying you know but it was funny once i got fed up it stopped And it's not like the enemy stopped altogether because then he'd try to bring it back like a day later instead of like 20 minutes later, right? (laughs) But eventually it slows down. The enemy will give up. You have more staying power than the enemy has. But if you think that resisting means that you're gonna tell the enemy no one time and then if it didn't happen that means it didn't work, you will be consistently fooled by him. He will deceive you every time if that's what you think resisting is. Resisting is going to be something that we have to do over and over and over again. As long as we are on this earth, we are going to have to resist the attacks of the enemy and we will have to resist them again and again and again because he is going to try to make you think that what you said The words that you spoke, the scriptures that you spoke, the faith that you allowed to come out of your heart and out of your mouth, he is gonna do everything in his power to make you think that that didn't work. And it's a lie, but we have to break through those lies. We have to keep moving forward. We have to contend, we have to occupy. And we have to ask ourselves when those things come up, what does God say about this? You know when that symptom comes up in your body, are you thinking, oh, did I eat something I shouldn't have eaten or, you know, did I sleep wrong or, you know, on my neck and that's why it hurts or whatever? What does God say about it? Instead of what do we say about it? What do our symptoms say about it? What does God say, right? We have to ask ourselves, what does God say about our situation? Cause God is amazing and he can do anything, but we have to believe that he'll do it for us. And the only way we can do that is to find out where it's written, right? We have to put our heart on the words that God spoke and we have to claim those for ourselves. And that's where we can say, God spoke this to me. Because every word in that Bible is for you. Except for maybe the part where he says not to boil a young goat in its mother's milk. That's in there a couple of times. It's kind of weird. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna ask him about that later. But, (laughs) um, but, Those words are in there for a reason. He wants us to take them and grab it and run with it. He wants us to just surrender all to Him and just be people like Peter who are willing to just jump out of that boat, you know, not really knowing what's on the other side of it, not really knowing what's going to happen, but to just take the word and go with it, right? And just keep going. We know Peter didn't keep going notice when Peter told that story through Mark that he didn't tell that part of the story. (laughs) But I actually don't think that he didn't tell that part of the story because he didn't wanna talk about the fact that he sank. I think he didn't tell that part of the story because he knew that he wasn't the important part of that story. I think that Peter didn't tell that story because he knew that what mattered was the part where Jesus got in the boat with them, where they were with Jesus. That was what really mattered was that he was there to save them, and he is there to save you. He is there to help you in any situation that you have facing you, but we have to occupy. When we think of the, the children of Israel, Do you remember in the Bible when the children of Israel went into the promised land and God cleared out all of the giants and he cleared out all of the people and all of their obstacles, absolutely every one of them, and he just set them up to retire and just, you know, live off the people's farms and have a great time for the rest of their lives. Do you guys remember when that happened? No, because it's not what happened. Did God give them (laughs) that? Brandy's like, I don't remember that. (laughs) Because that's not what happened. God gave them the promised land, but he still expected them to go in and occupy and take it. We have to take it by force. We have to take the promises that God gave us by force. We can't just sit back in a comfort zone and think that God's blessings are just gonna magically fall on us. That's not faith. It's not. Ignoring a problem and thinking that things are just gonna magically work out, that's not faith. Faith is a force. Like I said earlier, we are warriors and we have to contend for these things. We have to go in. They had to fight for that promised land. Even at the walls of Jericho, we love telling kids that story. It's like the best story in the Bible to tell kids. They can act it out. It's so much fun, right? They go around and around and around. And then you break all the bricks down and it's awesome. Even with that, They still had to go, even though God broke the walls down, did you know they still had to go into the city and they still had to capture the city? There were still people in that city. (laughs) They still had to fight for it, right? We're going to have to fight for it. We're going to have to fight for our healing. We're going to have to fight for our prosperity. We're going to have to fight for our families, our marriages. We're going to have to fight for our success. We're going to have to fight for our children. We're gonna have to fight because there's an enemy that doesn't want the good that God has already put on the table in front of us. He doesn't want any of that to be ours, but it's already ours. We, but we are going to have to contend for it. We are going to have to fight for it. And it just reminds me, one last um, story, and I will let you guys go, of the Syrophoenician woman. How easily she could have given up. Jesus himself said, It's not for you. Jesus himself said, this healing, it's not yours. And yet, and then he called her a dog, basically. (laughs) And yet she wouldn't have it. Wouldn't have it at all. She fought back in a good way, spiritually, like she fought back in a good way. She didn't fight him. She didn't punch Jesus. Don't worry about that. Um, But she came back and she was just like, true Lord but even the dogs eat the bread that fall from the children's table, right? And then she got her miracle. So, but there's nothing in the word of God that says that you don't get your miracle. Absolutely nothing, not a single word about it, but we do have to fight for it. We do have to contend for those things that God has promised for us. We, we have to jump all in and we have to allow ourselves to be transformed. We have to allow ourselves to be changed. And one challenge, I always like to talk about a challenge when I get an opportunity to minister that I would like to set before every single one of you is the in him challenge, in him, in whom, in Christ challenge. You can Google it. They have whole lists of the scriptures so that you don't have to like thumb through the Bible yourself. But if you haven't done this before, there is a Bible study that you can do. And Kenneth Hagin even has a book on it where you go through the Bible and you underline every single time in the epistles where God tells you who you are in Christ, where it says, in him you have this, in Christ you are this, every single time. And this is what's going to tell you who you are, who God made you, what it actually means to be a new creature. Because when we know who we are, it's a lot easier to do the work that God has called us to do, right? When we think we're grasshoppers, We can't go into that promised land and we can't defeat those giants. But when we know that we're the giants because God is the one fighting on our side, when we know who we are and who God has called us to be, it's a whole lot easier. Praise God. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate your attention and you come into church tonight. I know it's not easy to come out on a Wednesday night all the time. Um, We get sleepy and all that kind of stuff, but we, we all have long weeks, but we set the flesh aside. You guys are amazing. You are so amazing and I appreciate every single one of you. Let's stand, let's pray. Father God, we love you so much. We praise you and we thank you, Father God. I pray for every single person in the sound of my voice, Father, that they would allow themselves to be transformed by the renewing of their mind, Father God, that they would allow themselves to look into the Word, the mirror that you have put in front of us, Father God, that we get to see who you have made us, who you have made us in Christ Jesus. Lord, that we would rise up, Father God, knowing who we are, and that we would contend for the, the things that Jesus bought and paid for us to have, Father God. God, that we would be the children that the the whole earth is waiting for, Father God, the children of God that are walking in the glory of God, walking in the goodness of God, walking in the blessings of God, Father God, because we found out who we are, who you have made us, and we found out that you are going to work everything out to our good because we love you and we are called according to your purpose, Father God, that you have amazing plans for our lives, Father, and we thank you for it, Father. I ask you, Father God, to reveal any deceptions, any lies that we are believing that has kept us from being in your word, that has kept us from believing your word, that has kept us from knowing that every promise that you gave to us belongs to each and every one of us, not just to the rest of the body of Christ, Father God. And i thank you for it father and i ask you father god for healing in our lives for every part of us that has remained broken every part of us that has remained in pain in any kind of trauma and any kind of of illness mental illness physical illness any type of of heartbreak father god anything in us I ask for your healing because you are the great healer. You are the one that wants to take us and make us brand new and you want to live through us your perfection and your strength and your healing and everything that we need and we just thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.